Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm fed up. Uh, the first North London derby of the season has been and gone. Uh, a 2-0 win for Spurs to take them back to the top of the title. Arsenal fall into the bottom six. Harry Kane becomes the top goal scorer in North London derby history. Uh, Jason, you and I messaged a lot before the game, not so much afterwards. There was radio silence on your part until about midday today when you said you'd just turned your phone back on after about 19 and a half hours but you'd had some a good time to reflect. So I was wondering what conclusions you've come to about yesterday's result and performance from the Arsenal point of view. Well, to put into perspective how I'm feeling today, I've just polished off half a tub of ice cream. At tea time, I polished off half a bar of chocolate. And this was in my day in which I was saying I was going to be careful. Um, I remember I said at the start of the game, if uh, we're losing by half time, I'm going to break the diet. And uh, lo and behold, at uh, 5.20 yesterday, I was eating a hot mince pie from the oven with, uh, I don't know what, maybe some Galaxy, maybe a white chocolate Magnum came out at some point. There were, Obviously, there are other brands, if you, if you like different ice cream about chocolate brands. Um, so through food, that, that kind of sums up the mood, I'd say. Um, I thought it was an absolute joke again. I thought minute one it was obvious what was going to happen um we were lured into a sense of uh security by possession and it wasn't good possession it was it was pathetic sidewards passing um terrible positioning throughout the game um the lineup itself was appalling after what we'd seen in midweek with a dynamic young team in europe and what we'd seen in the past two months of the league um and it was all very obvious to me and same old. And uh, I, I'm, I've just been upset, to be honest, the past 24 hours, what is it now? 29 hours. I've just felt disappointed, upset, not even frustrated anymore. And I think the worst part of everything is that Spurs fans have not been goading me. It's been pity because we're so pathetic and so down there. I believe we're closer to the relegation than the title position. And um, it would serve the club right for Spurs to win the league and for us to get relegated this year. That, that's how I feel, like, how the, the tide has turned at the moment. Um, I won't make any statements just yet uh, or comment on some of the individuals involved in yesterday. I'll, I'll stick with the collective whilst we're opening, um, but it was soulless and an embarrassment to this club, and I can't believe that we were able to fall even further than we had. Um, and I remember saying a few weeks ago, I don't know where the next win's coming for this team in the league, and I still stand by that, because even Burnley at home in the league doesn't look like a walkover anymore. Um, just, Just so obvious. Hello. Oh yeah, that was that was that was a, that was just a, a dramatic pause. Oh, right. sorry. I thought yeah, I thought you had lost you. <laughs> no, so um, yeah, utterly, utterly despair. One specific question I want to ask you, and I, I'm curious about, is where you think the blame lies with this whole Thomas party thing, him walking off the pitch and in the run up to the second goal. 
Arteta afterwards saying he didn't understand the gravity of the situation. Do you blame Arteta there for, for picking a player who clearly wasn't fit and ready for the match? Or do you think even in spite of that, that he shouldn't have walked off the pitch at that time anyway? What, what do you think about the whole situation? I think both in different parts. He shouldn't have played because it wasn't like he's, you know, one player who has only just came come to your club is not your saviour in a game like this when Ainsley Maitland-Niles played perfectly well to get a start um, yesterday. So, yes, he shouldn't have been playing. Um, but then, very odd on his part to just walk off when the game hasn't is still going. That's, that's ridiculous, uh, a player of his age and, and experience. But then even more equally weird is Arteta's lack of urgency on bringing him back on. He kind of was sort of negotiating him. You know... You absolutely know that Jose Mourinho, if, if one of their players had done that, he would have pushed him straight on. Say, like, what are you doing? Get back on. I don't care. Fall over. Whatever. Get back on. And even when he ran down the toilet to find out what Eric Dyer was doing early in the season. Was it a last season or early, early this season? That kind of thing. And there was no earnesty. So I blame Arteta twice um, and uh, party once in, the, in, the, in that event. Um, but, but how embarrassing. It's just so embarrassing and it's classic Arsenal. But I, I, I honestly want to change the conversation a little bit towards Spurs because I, I'm going I'm to do something now. Because that, I don't know if you can hear the clap through the, through the screen. The, that performance was just classic Jose Mourinho. It was Spurs at their this year best. They're obvious, amazing players doing what they do best. Albeit, I think Leno could have done better for both. I also think the defence were rubbish. But, you know, you can only do what's in front of you. And, you know, good for them for having some ambition. I mean, what a performance. Again. Yeah, I mean, I was very pleasantly surprised. I mean, as we said when we kind of previewed the match, I was nervous going into this game for many reasons. And even then during midweek, I kind of felt like the, the momentum had sort of shifted somewhat going into the game. You'd had a much better result and performance than we'd had on Thursday. Then there was all these rumours about, is Kane going to be able to play? Is Lloris going to be able going to be able to play? And then when you had Party coming in and we had Undenbele injured, I thought, oh, is that going to change the battle in midfield? And as soon as the match started and as soon as Son put us 1-0 ahead, it just felt comfortable and, and it went exactly how all the neutrals and a lot of Arsenal fans had predicted it it, it would be. And I've never seen a Spurs side this defensively solid. I mean, to play Man City, Chelsea and Arsenal and not concede a single goal is something that I don't think many other teams in, in the league will be able to do. And when you factor in Alderweireld being injured for the Chelsea game, Undembele coming out for the uh, for the Arsenal game, there's been a lot of personnel changes, the, the, the Europa League games in between that. And to come through that, that run of fixtures, having scored four goals, taken seven points, conceded nothing... And to be top, still be top of the table. You know, Mourinho was saying afterwards, everyone expected us to go back to normality and drop points, but we haven't done. Um, and it's just been, it, it's, I, I kind of had to, in a way, actually, it's funny because afterwards on, on Sky Sports, they were kind of saying, you know, are Spurs fans going to be happy with this? And, you know, are they okay with this style of football? Of, of course, I'm happy with this. We're top of the league. We, we just beat Arsenal to go back to, to being top of the league. And we're showing a, a solidity and a, a defensive organisation and mentality that, that I've never seen before. All those, I mean, even last season, we went 2-0 up at the Emirates and it finished 2-2. There are some Tottenham matches in the past where we go 2-0 up and, and lose 5-2. You would have never banked on 
Spurs being able to hold. You know, even last month, we blew a three-goal lead to West Ham with 10 minutes to go. Now we're 2-0 up against Arsenal, 2-0 up against City, away against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and looking completely solid. And every player putting their body on the line, knowing what they've got to do. It's clearly so well organised. And, you know, you had... um. Jamie Redknapp saying, oh, you know, the only difference between the two teams is Kane and Son, that's it. And it wasn't. It For me, it was night and day between one team that was clearly well-drilled, well-organised, had a clear game plan and strategy they were working towards versus a team who were naive, seemed to have no plan that I could see going forwards. And and all the post-match analysis on Sky seems to be wondering, are Spurs fans happy with this? And, and, and almost seems to be critical of Mourinho and Spurs rather than asking Arsenal fans, are you happy with what Arteta's serving up and, and with your attacking play seeming to amount to nothing other than aimless crosses into the box and defensively, like you said, just just falling right into the, the traps that, that we'd set for you and, and Arsenal now having had their worst start since the 1980s or something. It, it seemed very strange to me that on Sky they seemed obsessed with this idea of, of whether or not it was entertaining football and whether Spurs fans are happy with it. I mean, I was reading this morning this is only the second time, only the second season since the 60s where we've scored this many goals after 11 games. I mean, people forget we went and won 6-1 at Old Trafford, won 5-2 away at Southampton. So I, c- I couldn't be happier with what I'm seeing from Spurs at the moment. I, c- I can't quite believe it. I would have thought we would definitely lose at least one of these games. But to to be unbeaten and to have not conceded, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I've got nothing but positive things to say, and particularly given how worried I was about the centre-backs to see and, and you know I have to to make a, a full apology to Serge Aurier who I've criticised a lot and wanted rid of and was fed up fed up with he's been one of our players of the season he was brilliant against Arsenal brilliant against Chelsea brilliant against Man City we all thought Doxy was going to come in and replace him Aurier hasn't put a foot wrong when he used to be a, a calamity you look at Eric Dyer, who was a liability at centre-back now looking like you know a future England star in that position never mind Harry Maguire I know they're protected by Sissoko and Hoiberg and, and the overall kind of setup of the team but you know even that it's someone like Hoiberg who I know you had your doubts about and he was just everywhere covering the whole pitch putting tackles in but but being intelligent about it not being like Granite Xhaka who goes you know piling into the back of Funeming Son when he's not in a dangerous position and, and picking up a yellow card you know it's it's the intelligence of the players as well as the the dedication and the hard work. And then when we get the ball, we do something with it. Like you said, you had plenty of possession, but there was never any sense of threat. Whereas whenever we were on the ball and counterattacking, you always felt like something was going to happen. And, and those goals from from Son and then Kane just before half time, just ruthless, clinical, exciting counterattacking football. And you know we're not going to be able to to get away with that game plan against everybody. And and we're going to have to change up our tactics and even having played as well as we have defensively on another day, we could have conceded a goal in any of these three matches. But to come out of them unscathed, top of the league, and having shown that we are, we can do both. We can be exciting and attacking, but also dig deep and defend well and keep the clean sheet. It's um, it's very exciting. You know, you look at now to we're playing Liverpool next Wednesday, and all of a sudden that seems like an early sort of title uh, you know not deciding game it's still early Chelsea Leicester United and City once they've they've played their games in hand will all be quite close actually I mean that top six there's only a few points separating them a couple losses here and there and we could all all of a sudden you know very much be out of the title conversation but 
to be where we are at this moment in time is, is not something that I expected. And it, it's certainly making me think that we can achieve something this season. Like I said, if not a title, then at least top four in a trophy, because it's clear that Mourinho's got through to the players that he, he that he's got a new mentality in there and that they're buying in to what he wants to do. And I suppose going back to what I was saying earlier with, with Sky asking all the questions of the Spurs fans, I mean, you've kind of already answered it, but did you see, I mean, was I missing anything in, in terms of Arsenal's game plan? Did you see a, a strategy there? And what, and what do you think about Arteta afterwards kind of saying that he thought you played well and it was how you wanted to play and he, him going on about all these crosses? I mean, it sounds to me like he's learnt more from David Moyes than he did Pep Guardiola, but although that would be an insult to David Moyes, the way West Ham are doing at the moment. I mean, we kind of touched on this last time, but, you know, how much is Arteta to blame for this? Because it, 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 the, the, the way we played against you reminded me of how you played against City and Chelsea to win the FA Cup last season. So what I don't understand is how he can be so naive in a way and not have more creativity about your attacking play given his own heritage and connections to Barcelona and, and, and Pep Guardiola I mean how disappointed are you with with Arsenal's overall play and I, I think I ask you this probably every week but how much is Arteta to blame and how much is just the situation that he inherited I mean you you summed it up almost when you said about how Jose's transformed your defense and it's almost with the same players you know you signed um, Doherty, Rosen and Regulion. Only one of them was playing yesterday um, for the whole game and or most of the game. And they all look like like a champion's defence. You know, he's got that set up where anyone can come in and do the job. And and he's been able to do that. We claim we have with this amazing defensive record we had, but we're still conceding goals and not winning games. Um, before I go any further, I mean, looking at kind of the pathetic performances individually, as well. I mean, someone like Bellerin, another foul throw. I believe it's six this season, I've heard. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. His positioning is awful. Like, I just don't understand what all these individual experienced players are doing. The younger players, oh, yes, let's listen. Saka loses the ball occasionally. Gabriel might not time a tackle okay, but, but they look, you know, a little bit more dynamic than some of the experienced players who completely look like they're, they're playing championship football. No disrespect to championship football, but you don't expect that when they're earning big bucks in the Premier League. And yeah, I mean, you've missed nothing in that performance. There was nothing. They're, you know, all, they all say, oh, well, look at that possession. The passes were going nowhere. The crosses were going nowhere. Aubameyang looked disinterested. When he had that header in the box, he, he never looked like he even wanted to score. When he got towards Alderweireld, it didn't even make sense why he was going on his left foot. Alvaro hadn't even barely moved to like pressure him to go on his weak foot. Why was Aubameyang not doing his classic right foot wraparound round to the back post? It, far post, it doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. There is no tic-a-tac style like we used to have. There's no like, it's like you said, structured aggression. So Shaka, I don't know what he's doing. There's no defensive solidity because look how Son <laughs> like glided through our players easily. He got a shot out from so far away. Um, there's nothing, Michael. There's nothing from this team. And I haven't seen anything since week one. That game against Fulham, we looked good. That, that was kind of the game plan. But yeah, I, I, I haven't known for a year now really what our identity is. What I liked at the beginning when he came in, Arteta, was this kind of positivity and 
they were at least working hard you could see but he looks like he's lost the dressing room already there's no one who looks like they're fighting for the shirt or the fans or has have any motivation and how can you when you're earning that money you know you're not going to compete and you know there's no pressure for you to lose your place in the team what motivation is there and yes the buck has to lie at the manager because at the end of the day we have seen that Leicester City can win a league with a pretty good manager with, on paper at the time, subpar players. You know, I believe Brighton potentially could win the league if you go by that principle. So there is no excuse why over these years, with all the money we have spent and all the talent we have, there seems to be always be poached from around Europe that we are not competing properly. And I understand the table lies a little bit because a few wins and we could be in fourth place but that's not the point it's the performances have been absolutely dreadful bar that game against Fulham at the beginning of the season bar the community shield which is a fake trophy let's be honest and I'll admit it now bar those semi-final and final of the um of the FA Cup last season and maybe one or two of the, the big scalps which anyone can do I've seen Burnley beat a city it has been appalling it's been absolutely appalling, and it's not what I, as a fan, after Wenger and certainly after Emery, signed up for. You know, we had an opportunity to go and get Jose. We bottled it. To go and get Ancelotti, a Champions League winning manager. We bottled it. And we brought in someone with zero experience. He has zero experience of how to get us out of this mess. And there are two options, in my opinion. Option number one is that... We ride it out to the end of the season. We say it's right off. We'll get what we can. Hopefully we have a good run in the Europa League. And 90% of that squad goes, genuinely, or half that squad. Or number two, they sack him tomorrow and they go and bring someone who can save this season and take all the big uh, experienced players out, drop them, put in a young team and start let's see, start seeing something different. Because I'm watching Freddie Limbo on Sky just before. He's laughing. He's thinking, oh, even I have better cred to this job than this Arteta bloke. Because I, I honestly think Arteta's not getting another job easily after this one if he leaves. Because I've seen barely anything now, apart from the happy-dappy thing. And you know what? I have no connection to him because he's not an Arsenal legend. He was rubbish for the last two years <laughs> while he was at Arsenal anyway. He only did one good thing with one good goal. And he was part of our dreadful signing spree under Wenger where, where we've given up after losing 8-2 to United, I believe it was that year. So it's not a surprise that this is how it's ended up. A lot of people keep saying we're not going to, we can't afford to sack Arteta. Um, you know, we just have to ride it out. We can afford it, and we should. That's my view. And if if you did say sack Arteta tomorrow, then who who would you bring in? I mean, I hear, I hear Sam Allardyce, he's available. You joke, but... I don't know anymore. You know, Allegri, again, is my kind of first choice on paper. You know, if we're going to become a defensive team, do it right. Go and bring in a proper defensive manager, not someone who's, you know, you know he, he's been co-managing City and now then he suddenly he's defensive coach. It makes no sense. He hasn't got the creds or experience for that or, or background for that with his kind of Barcelona way. I mean, honestly, it's... Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I was hearing about how before my time, Arsenal were a defensive team. 1-0 to the Arsenal was a famous, you know, saying. And and that's OK with me. Like you said, you don't mind if you go nick those games. That's winning. It's 
all about winning. It's all about the trophy moments. I'm telling you, winning that FA Cup last year was amazing. And that's why we were so excited. It was amazing what Arteta did to be able to turn these players around to win something in that terrible season. Um, you know, it is special that you can win as a player and as a manager in quite a quick succession. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a business results game at the end of the day. And I can't see any top club having what we've had. Even Ole Gunnar Solskjaer hasn't had performances like this every week because they went and signed a good player in Bruno Fernandes, a proven player, probably less money, I think, than we signed uh, Pepe for, potentially. I mean, it's it's an absolute shambles from the top to bottom. And, and the only way I see the rut stopping is by is by taking it seriously. We should have straight after Wenger brought in a big manager and we, we've completely ballsed it up. And is a, is the contract for Aubameyang already looking now like a huge mistake? Could he be the next Ozil? I mean, I saw his agent was apparently sharing things on social media afterwards, criticising how the team was playing. I mean, are you worried that you've made a huge mistake there? You've left yourself now with this overpaid player who doesn't have the motivation anymore and, and then it's going to become another sort of behind-the-scenes drama that you don't really need. I mean, he's not the only one. That's the problem. Willian's in the same boat. David Luiz is in the same boat. Mustafi, Socrates, Ozil, of course, you mentioned. Lacazette, to be honest, is there. Shaka's now stuck. It goes on and on. Leno, what a terrible mistake. I said it all along. I, I, I slightly disagree with this. This is the point I wanted to bring up with you. This There's a lot of rhetoric around, oh, we all these older players. And I'm thinking, imagine in the real workplace if you started vocalising about criticising older players or older workers, that's discrimination. You know, they might slow down a little bit, but there's certain things that they can do. You know, you use the expertise and, and certainly these players should be using their expertise and they don't seem to, you know, Aubameyang doesn't even seem to know what position he's playing on. And it's, it, yeah, it looks like the worst investment ever. We're stuck with him now. Someone's going to get him on a, on a cheap properly uh, next year and he'll probably start banging them in because... You know, he, he peaked. He peaked last season. And, you know, a good business team probably, do, you know, do push someone like that out. They do, because they know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, they're stuck now. They're absolutely stuck. I don't know how they turn it around. I just don't know. I don't know whether even, uh, I don't even know who's the best manager in the world now. I don't even know if Pep could do anything with Aubameyang right now. Genuinely, and, and yeah, I mean, ugh. it's just really frustrating. It's just really frustrating, and I, I, I'm trying to think of a solution. But if I if I had that solution, I'd be sporting director at Arsenal, I suppose. I am free, I am free at the moment. If anyone wants to put my CV in there, well, if anyone from Arsenal's listening, give Jason a ring. I mean, do you think the 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 way to go is for him to just drop a lot of players and just just trust in the youth and just just play the young players and think well do you know what if we're going to have an inconsistent season then we might as well build for the future or do you think that would be a, a bit too reckless to kind of throw them no, in in this situation that's 100 percent the right decision and I, th I think back i think i was saying to my dad he was saying oh why are you playing Saka? what are you doing all these young boys like put out the pros and i said you know what no because Someone like Kane only came through by accident almost because of injuries and kind of, you know, he had a good run. Same as Rashford. Rashford was nowhere near the team and they had a massive injury um, crisis. He had a really good game against Arsenal and he never looked back under Van Gaal. So, you know, 
these players can come through and have their chance. If if Eddie Nketiah is so great, start him every week. You know, what is Reese Nelson doing here if he's not even going to get on the bench this year? Saka's the only one who's looked pretty good. You know, he's had his poor moments. But, you know, play him every week. I don't know why. You know, I don't know why he's persevering with players like Willian. I don't know whether it's this sunk cost bias or anything like that. Um, but it's it's just not working. And, you know, I, I think Aubameyang is not our captain. You know, he, he is by name, but not by uh, act. And, you know, he's played every game for so long now in the league. 90 minutes. Just just drop him. Just say he needs a rest. Put on uh, Martinelli soon or have a Saka, Nelson and Ketia front three who seem to be banging them in the Europa League. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if they if you put those three against Burnley, that they actually do, do a better job. Emil Smith row behind. It's time. That is why we brought Arteta in. For young management to bring young players and make us dynamic and freshen it up. Instead, he stunk the place out. And it reeks like the Wenger era again. I can't believe three years down the line. It feels a bit like United. But whereas United landed on their manager, who seems to still be getting results, by the way. I don't know whether this is the the, uh, the end of the beginning as such. I think there's still a little bit of way to go. And But I, I guess, flip it to you. I mean, as a Spurs fan, you're loving it, obviously. I don't, I don't need to ask you on that. But... Where, where do you see Arsenal needing to change? Well, I think what you just said there about, uh, was it a Saka and Ketia Nelson front three? I mean, from my perspective, that would have caused us a lot more problems uh, than the, the team you put out did because all these crosses into into the box that you were doing, Dyer and Alderweireld are not going to have any problems with that. They'll head those away all day long. But where they are potentially vulnerable is is... The pace. I mean, it used to be said that you couldn't play Darren Alderweireld together because they're too slow. And okay, maybe they wouldn't have had the space to run into. But I just didn't see, like I said, Arsenal trying to exploit our weaknesses in any way. All your attacking players was completely playing to to our strengths. And I just feel like I think Arteta got the, the party thing wrong. I think Mourinho was quite charitable afterwards, where he said the same thing could have easily happened to. Reguilón or Alderweireld or Kane or any of the number of players who we had late fitness tests for but the difference between them and someone like Thomas Partey is that they haven't been out for what four weeks and as a manager you have to you know you've got a a duty of care I think to your players and and even if if, if the player tells you oh yeah I'm good to play you need to make that judgment and okay maybe he shouldn't have walked off the pitch but I don't think Arteta should be putting him on the pitch in the first place if he's not up to the intensity of of the North London derby or or a Premier League match and I often talk about the differences in how Arteta and Mourinho seem to be perceived and I can't help but think what would be being said if Mourinho had played a player who clearly wasn't ready and then afterwards kind of hung them out to dry like that and you said about losing the dressing room and I wonder whether through exiling Ozil through this incident now with Party, whether some people think whether maybe Arteta isn't actually true to his word and is already coming across as maybe a bit panicked and out of ideas and inconsistent. Like you said, this idea that all of a sudden he became a defensive coach when he was more synonymous with sort of Pep Guardiola and the Barcelona tic-a-tac style of playing. I don't know whether that initial pragmatism that maybe you found refreshing is now kind of turned into a bit of incoherence and inconsistency and maybe the, the players don't really know what he wants or, or what he stands for. I think clearly there's been problems for years with Krupp. And I think 
I, I, I found it strange. I mean, we debated a lot the, the William signing, which for me, again, just seemed to not speak to what I thought Arteta was brought in to do, which I thought was going to be about sort of bringing through the youth rather than making the sort of signings that Mourinho would make if he could. I mean, I think Mourinho said he would have signed William if he could have done. But I think, you know, you look at, again, giving... I can understand why he gave the contract to Aubameyang, but right now, I'd be if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be wishing that instead of paying all those wages for Aubameyang, that you'd gone out and signed Ollie Watkins instead. Mm. Or that you'd gone out and signed Hoiberg. I think definitely the recruitment at Arsenal has been, been bad for a while. And I think the... It's always struck me as a very emotional club in recent years. Obviously, the end of the Wenger years were very emotional with all the Wenger out stuff. And it just seems like you lurch from one extreme to the other. And I feel like the, the, within the club, within and I get this from the players a lot. I mean, I, I sent you a video before the, the match when Guendouzi was celebrating after the, the 4-2. And I remember how much you celebrated that 4-2 win. And you haven't beaten us since, and you've you've regressed since then. But at that moment in time, when we did our first episode, it looked like you were about to sort of reassert your dominance. But it seems like within the club, you get too excited when you win a game and everything's amazing, best players in the world, Arteta, best young manager in the world. And then when you lose, it's the opposite extreme. And I just wonder whether there's any leaders, either in the dressing room or from the bench, who are kind of just giving a bit of perspective like I, I was reading a quote from Mourinho where he said you know if there's positive noise about us from the outside we need to stay the same if there's negative noise about us from the outside we need to stay the same you know we need to keep our level regardless of what people are saying about us good or bad and I think one of the commentators maybe Gary Neville said you know with that Xhaka challenge I was talking about it's almost as if he thinks he's fooling the fans by doing that if he shows himself being emotional and lunging into challenges that that will give him some sort of street cred amongst the Arsenal fans where really it's it's not doing the team any good. And I just, you know, in a way, I wouldn't go as far as to say the tables have, have complete, completely turned in terms of you being where we used to be and us being where you used to be because there is still the, the trophy thing hanging around our necks. And even in this period of decline, you've won a few FA Cups. But it seems like you've lost... I don't know. I mean, the Arsenal teams that I used to fear when I was first started following football and, and supporting Spurs with, with teams that had both that creativity, who you felt they could pick you apart at any moment, but also you felt like were a bit of a nasty team as well. You know, the Martin Keones or Patrick Vieira's, you know, who'd go toe-to-toe with Roy Keane in those classic United-Arsenal games. And it felt like Wenger lost a bit of that edge towards the end. And then Emery couldn't quite, I think you're right, they, they, they got that appointment wrong. I don't think he's a bad manager, but I, I don't think he was the right fit at the time. Although, you know, the job he did looks better by the day because he did get you to a Europa League final. And Eden Hazard really, I think, was the difference in that final. I mean, Chelsea, I think, were a better team than you that season, but that could have easily gone either way. And, and if he'd finished in the top four with you or, or won that Europa League, he'd probably still be there now. And Arteta is a promising manager. He's won a cup, but again, very inexperienced. And it seems like you're not, like you said, you're not operating like a club of, of your stature anymore. You're kind of accepting things that, I mean, I would say that a club like Man United wouldn't accept, but then you look at the Solskjaer thing and who knows, maybe they would, but it just seems like there's been a gradual slipping of standards at Arsenal. So I, I don't think Arteta is fully to blame, but I don't. Th- I, I think he does deserve criticism at the same time because when you contrast the job Mourinho's doing, both been in the job for similar time amount of time. Okay, Arteta's won the trophy, but 
Mourinho's made a lot more progress. Um, and it certainly does make me feel even better about how Spurs... I mean, I'd feel good about how Spurs are doing, even if, say, Arsenal were the team in second. But to, to see the contrast so stark and to see Arsenal struggling in such a way is enjoyable. There is a lot of schadenfreude, but there's still a long, long way to go. So you could yet turn it round, but it does seem like you do need a, a big squad overhaul. And if I were you, I would be tempted to to back Arteta and give him that time and patience because I feel like the problems go back so long and in winning the trophy, he's earned the right to do that. But I would be increasingly concerned about his decision-making because I said at the beginning, it does. I'm not sure what he is anymore. When he first came in, I kind of knew what I thought he stood for and what Arsenal were going to be. And it was something that actually made me feel quite nervous and think that you were going to be on the rise. But now it almost seems like he's, I don't know what Arteta's Arsenal is, whereas I know what Mourinho's Spurs are. I know pretty much for most of the teams in the league, you kind of have a sense of style and it's not always a predictability, but you kind of know what to expect and what their manager stands for. Whereas with Arteta and Arsenal, I'm not sure. And this obsession he has all of a sudden with crosses it's like he might as well go and sign Andy Carroll if, if that's kind of where you're going to play. It is not what I thought he was brought in to do. So, yeah, yeah the outside is confusing, but obviously I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. I mean, you said about those crosses and even there's always this strategy that they used with David Luiz booting up to Aubameyang and then Holding did something similar. I thought, what is this? This is literally hoof the ball um, relegation kind of form. And it's interesting you were, talk- you were talking about kind of the... Well, we were kind of discussing in between us about this this kind of younger team. And I was thinking back to 2006 when we, we lost the Champions League final. We got to the peak of our powers. And because of the new stadium move, we almost sold everyone. Like overnight, we lost that amazing kind of core team. And and it was when we started kind of with, with Torre and Almunia started coming out. And um, it was like Chleb and Flamini and Nielsen and Diaby and Fabregas. And Walcott, sorry to go on forever, Walcott and Andy Bayor and Van Persie. And that first season, they kind of, they were okay. They had a good top four season. And then the second season was that Eduardo season where we almost won the league. I mean, bar our mentality, we, we, were, we were close. We were really good that season. So it, there is evidence that throwing in the younger players can definitely do a lot. And we know the famous uh, United story as well. Um, and I still think it works today. And I, it looks like, Maybe it's something that Pep Guardiola is doing a little bit more as well. Someone like Ferran Torres, he brought in, he's bringing him in slowly, Foden. They're kind of bringing in those young players. You'd think, again, that Arteta would do that. But, you know, you're right. I, I don't know what that identity is anymore. And, and uh, yes, it does seem like something needs to happen at the top and the bottom and in the middle. But, again, I say the point. If they had brought in Patrick Vieira, who was at Nice for a couple of years, he's gone, he's just left now. Um, at the time, there would be that kind of connection. I'd feel like, ooh, okay, like, let's let him have his time. He's an Arsenal legend. He'll he'll know what the fans want. He'll care. He'll really care and want it and thing. But I just don't feel the same with Arteta. And I just, you know, I just don't know if you can trust him with the keys to the place. And and when they gave him that promotion in the summer, basically for half a season to become from coach to manager, it all went wrong. So that shows when he had all that money to spend... Which they had. They, this what we spent nearly 100 million in the uh, in the summer plus all the contracts. That was all pretty much him, or he had hands on on a lot of that. Um, so I think he's got to take a lot of the blame. I 
I just can't agree with the fact that he is unsackable, which a lot of people are trying to suggest. Even I'm not sure who one of the journalists was. It could have been Ornstein. I'm not sure, though, who said something like, um, no, in my opinion, they won't sack him. It's not going to happen kind of thing. But at what point do you, th- you know, at least it's, the season is salvageable now. But right, you know, if we go for it until Christmas, if we go and lose that Burnley game and, uh, and some of the subsequent games, you know, we've got over the Christmas period, proper Christmas period, we've got City, Chelsea and Brighton, I believe. You know, we could be in the bottom three. Easy. And it's not like, you know, sometimes like when Redknapp picked up Tottenham and they were like seven, eight games in the bottom, like in the bottom three and, you know, a couple of results, you're back. That's That's halfway through a season relegation form and that, would be unbelievable fall from grace. And it would mean that, you know, January has got to be a good window. But I don't know. I don't know if you give him the whole season. Maybe you should. I just, I just, I just think it could be a hindsight job again. And listen, I'm not saying I'm mystic Jason, although I wish I was, but I've, I've said it about Leno. I've said it about Shaka, I'm sure, over the years. Um uh, and I don't want to be proved right with this one, but I'm certainly feeling that's going to be the way soon. So, listen, I'm 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 jealous of Tottenham Hotspur right now. I'm jealous of your manager. I'm jealous of your players. I'm jealous of your style, and I'm jealous of your position. And I would not have said that a few years ago, um, even when you were, were you were winning those derbies and finishing above us, because I didn't think we were that far off. But now we are well and truly minding our gap. Some music to my ears. I mean, I, I don't mean to say this to to rub it in, but genuinely, I mean, who would? You mentioned Allegri earlier, but I mean, do you not think it, it gets to a point where if if you sack someone like Arteta, I mean, would I? I can only imagine people like I mean Patrick Vieira, Thierry Henry. I imagine they would accept the Arsenal job in a heartbeat. But do you think now it's getting to the point with Arsenal where most serious kind of self-respecting managers, your Allegri's, your Tuchel's, your Nagelsmann's, your, you know, whoever's the new kind of go-to manager where they think you know I, I don't want that job I don't want to have to deal with mm-hmm. with all that drama you know it's more trouble than it's worth they might see it as a sleeping giant that's not far too gone too far gone like when Inter brought in Conte and he was a pretty good manager that kind of thing they gave it a chance because they saw a bit of potential there and there is look at the facilities and, and you know the city we're in there's, there's there's plenty of potential there for sure um I heard someone say sorry online. I thought, come on, let's, let's not go too far. That's that's not a good appointment. But I, I agree, you're not getting the top, top calibre. Um, but you could get someone at that kind of middle tier who's who's got a bit of a point to prove and, uh, and you know, has a different style of play. I mean, we've got to try something different. If we keep going for these so-called attacking managers, maybe we need to go for, literally... For, for a, an Allardyce type thing. I mean, I don't know. Listen, Liverpool had Roy Hodgson before Klopp. And even Klopp's first season, he had dreadful players um, at the helm as well. So, you know, he, albeit he had a couple of uh, heroes there as well. So it's uh, there's definitely names out there. But listen, we can't talk about that really because we might win against Burnley. We might have a scalp against City and Chelsea. And then we might be in the top half of the table by Christmas. And I might be... You know, saying, all right, it is what it is and, and we'll, we'll continue limping over. But, you know, it doesn't bode well for a manager if it goes on for this long. I think the uh, the Big Sam for Arsenal campaign starts now. And it's live. 